Church, this morning we're continuing our sermon series entitled Blessed. And, and you know, many people make the statement, I'm sure all of you have made the statement at one time or another too in your life, where you hear that statement like, you know, God blesses me so much. Typically when we're saying that word or that phrase, we're, we're talking about maybe financial things that he's blessed us with or just material things. But blessings from God are more than just those. In this series, what we're doing is we're looking at firsthand uh, of God's unusual blessings. Last week, we talked about how we were blessed with a need, and that need is a desperate need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, we're going to be talking about being blessed to tell. In Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8, it says this, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep in the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Church, one of the most important blessings that God can give us is for us to be born into the family of God. That you receive Christ and, and you know what your future is. You know what your eternity is. That's one of the greatest uh, blessings that we can have in our lives. But we must recognize, though, church, That once we receive that, once we become a a member of the family of God, that that we are blessed by God to share Christ with those who don't know him. Now, the biblical term for that is evangelism. And here's the definition of evangelism is this, the spreading of the Christian gospel. Today, I want to share with you, there's three types of evangelism that I want to share with you. There's about 10, actually. But three types of evangelism I'd like to share with you today. And the first one, or all three of them, is this, the pulpit evangelism. Then there is planned evangelism. And there's passive evangelism. The pulpit evangelism, that's what I do right here. I share with you God's word. You come to hear it, and I hope that you act upon it. Planned evangelism is when you go maybe to the street corner, and and you're preaching to random people going by. Or maybe you're in the grocery store, and you're asking people, like, hey, you know where you're going to go when you go to, when you die? You know where you're heading to? That's planned evangelism, asking people if they're saved. And passive evangelism, church, is this. It's living your life as an example. Living your life that you really don't have to say a whole lot, but God re- or people recognize Christ in you. See, it's about us uh, demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. You have Christ in you, and so the fruits are growing in you, and they're producing fruit. And so, church, for believers, when, when, when we hear the word evangelism, it, it provokes a lot inside of us. Even for non-believers, the word evangelism brings up emotions, right? Think about that. The emotions that people have when you start talking about your faith. A lot of it might be, you know, hey, don't you dare push your religion down on me. I'll be your friend, but I don't, I don't want to hear all that. You hear that, or, you know, don't tell me all that Jesus stuff, or, you know, it, it's fine for you. I'm happy for you, but you know what? Don't try to convert me. You hear all these kind of things. Evangelism, a lot of times in the world, is met with skepticism and resistance. But also for believers in Jesus Christ, this word brings up two emotions, and the emotions typically for most of us is guilt and fear. When you hear the word evangelism, a lot of times what it does inside of you, it promotes guilt and it promotes fear. Guilt is this, that we should be more involved. We know what God called us to do, right? When he ascended into heaven, he said, listen, remember, he saved the best for last. The most important thing, he said, hey, you guys go out in the world, you preach, you teach, you baptize. That's what I'm calling you to do. And he's gone. 
And we know what we're supposed to do, but we feel this guilt because we know we should be more involved. We know we should be sharing in leading other people to Christ, but we don't a lot of times, so we feel guilty when we hear it. And then there's the fear part, church. The fear comes over us because we sit there and think like, what if I mess up? You know, I'm not, I'm not good at that. What if I mess up? Or what if I push too hard? Or what if I say something offensive? What if they call me a hypocrite? Church, if you are a Christian, I promise you, some point in your life, you're going to be called a hypocrite because you mess up like everybody else does. Said, but you receive grace from your heavenly Father. But a lot of us feel insecure, church. We do. We feel very insecure about sharing our faith. Uh, the pastor that was here before me, uh, Troy Warner, when he came to this church, you know, the church, there was not a lot of people here. And after he was here just for a little bit, our church had a bad reputation. I'm going to be honest. I can say that. I was here. I was part of it. We was considered a snobby church. That we, we, we didn't care about people. That's the reputation Wellsville First Christian Church had, I promise you. And so he decided, you know, we need to take this out into the street. And so he got the elders together and he said, we're going to start training. We, we want to start taking this out in the street. And we had a room over there, had a door. And so we kind of like role played. You ever done that? It's kind of a weird thing sometimes. It's uncomfortable. But he was going to be showing us. And so I got to be the dude on the other side of the door. So he knocked on this one door. Boom, boom, boom. I opened the door. I was, what do you want? I'm going to play the part good, okay? And so we went through this. We went through some training. And then what happened was he wanted some of us elders to go out into the street. And we literally was going to knock on doors and, and, and just talk to people. Hey, I'm from Wellsville First Christian Church. We'd love to you come. And so he told us the day we went out, I remember this. We met in his office. He said, hey, before you go to that door, he said, I want you to say a prayer. He said, you pray before you go to that door. And I remember going to that first door. And I want to tell you, church, I was praying. I was praying they didn't answer the door. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. I said, hey, I went, man. Nobody was home, <laughs> you know, because you know what? I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what was going to happen next. It's intimidating. But you know what, church? If you have ever felt insecure, insecure about sharing your faith, today what I want to do, I want to show you today ways that you and I, church, we are blessed to share Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 19, if you'll look at this with me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 19, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verses 19 through 20, it goes like this. It says, though I'm free, now I want to stop right there. I like that. I like that part right there. You are free to do whatever you want. Do you realize that, church? God gave you free will. He gave you free will to do whatever it is that you want. And so here's what he's saying. Paul said, said though I'm free and belong to nobody, Right? I like that. He said, you know what? I, I'm my own man. I can do what I want to do. I'm free and I belong to no one. He says this, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Now see that, that word right there. Christian life, you know this, Christian life involves both freedom and discipline. Everybody hates when the preacher says discipline, right? Nobody likes that word discipline. We like our freedom, but we don't like the word discipline. And then when Paul goes on to say, I've made myself a slave to everybody, you're like, man, I don't like that word slave either. I remember growing up, my mom would say, hey, I need you to do this or go do this or go pick that up for me. Go get me a drink. I, I remember making a statement, I'm not your slave. She's like, that's why we had you. <laughs> 
But, but I, I used to say that I hated that word. Most of us hate the word discipline and most of us hate the word slave. But Paul says, I've made myself a slave one to win as many as possible. To win as many people as possible. I like that. And he goes on to say in verse 21, it says this, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. What he's saying is that, you know, I'm going to find some common ground with you. Church, that's what we got to do. Like like Paul here, we got to find some some common ground to those around us. You know what else we got to do, church? We've got to avoid that kind of know-it-all attitude. Some of us struggle with that, right? Oh, I already know that. That know-it-all attitude, you avoid that. You, you learn to make other people feel accepted. I'm, I'm not saying you tell them that their sin is okay. I'm talking about you, you kind of love on them. You're like, hey, man, we like you. We like you. Then you be sensitive to their needs. You be sensitive to their concerns. And you look for opportunities to tell them about Jesus Christ. And then check out 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 23, it says this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Paul's telling us right there, church, that we're supposed to share. You are blessed by God to share him with other people. That's all of us sitting here. We're blessed by God to share him with other people. But you know what? Most of us don't. I'm serious. Most of us don't do that. And for those of us who are insecure, for those of us who are hesitant to do this, I want to show you some of the most unlikely evangelists in the scripture. First one I want to start out with this. It's the Samaritan woman. She was an unlikely evangelist. She was an unlikely evangelist. She, she taught us that sometimes all you have to do is just invite somebody. All you got to do is just invite someone to see what's going on to see what's happening. You know, hey, come on over here. You, you need to check out what's going on here. Why was she unlikely? Well, this woman had three strikes against her. She did. The Samaritan woman had three strikes against her. See, in this time, Jewish men, they would wake up in the morning and they would pray this prayer. They're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I am not a woman. Thank you, God, that I am not a Samaritan. And thank you, God, that I'm not a dog. Ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what happened, okay? And she had two of these going on in her life. She was a woman and a Samaritan. See, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, not liked at all. And she was a woman. And so her third problem is this. She kind of been around the block. You know what I'm talking about? She was immoral. She slept around, and see, in most people's eyes, she would be completely disqualified to be used by God. But if you know anything about her story, she went to the well to get some water, and, and she encountered Jesus Christ at the well. He spoke to her. He spoke to her, and she's like, this is crazy. This Jewish guy's talking to me. I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. This is insane. And she's like, I can't even believe we're having a conversation. And Jesus, man, I love how Jesus works, right? He said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for some of my water, living water. 
If you knew who I was, you would ask me for some of my water. It's living water. And when you taste living water, you'll never be thirsty again. She was intrigued. And so Jesus, being the cool self that he was, he says, go get your husband. And she says, but sir, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, you're right, you don't. He said, you've had five husbands, and, and the one that you're shacking with right now, he's not your husband either. And she said, how do you know this? And he said, she said, you must be a prophet. And she said, I have heard that one is coming who will be called the Messiah. And Jesus says, well, you're talking to him right now. And in John chapter 4, in John chapter 4, if you'll look at this with me in verse 28, 29, it says this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So this woman left where she was at, and she ran into town. She's telling everybody, hey, you got to check this out. you got to go back to the well right outside of town. There's a dude there. He told me about myself. And then verse 30 says this. They came out of the town, and they made their way towards him. Church, all she did was say, come check it out. Come check it out. And you know what? She's saying there's something different about him, man. There's something special about this guy. And you come see for yourself. You know what, what she did not do? You know what the Samaritan woman did not do? She didn't go back and say, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be an evangelist. And hey, guys, let me go over the four spiritual laws with all you people right now. She didn't do that. She said, you got to check this out. She didn't go back and say, you know what? To the stranger she didn't know, like, hey, you die tonight, where are you going? Where are you going to go if you die tonight? All she said was, come check it out for yourself. There's something special going on here, and you really need to hear it in church. Check this out. In John chapter 4, verse 39, it says this, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So this lady, she went out, she told people, you got to come see what's happening. you got to see what's going on. Do you realize that every single one of you, you're sitting here today, you can do the same exact thing with your church. You go and tell people, you say, hey, listen, there's something going on. you got to see this. You gotta, God is moving. He's doing something. You can invite people just to come and see. Statistically, they say four out of five people will come to church if they are invited by a close friend or someone they trust a lot. And we can all do that. See, the Samaritan woman, she teaches us that all you have to do is invite someone to see what God is doing. The second most unlikely evangelist is a guy who was born blind and Jesus healed him. He was born blind and Jesus healed him. And sometimes, church, all you got to do is share your story. For all you got to do is share your story, and that's what this guy did. See, this poor guy, he was born blind. I'm talking about all he saw his whole life was darkness, nothing but darkness in his life. And one day, this guy called Jesus comes up. He reaches down, and he grabs some dirt. He spits in that dirt. He makes some mud, and he rubs it on this guy's eyes. I don't know if that's where the term came from, you know, like when you got nailed with the baseball and little league and your coach says just rub some dirt on man you're all right I don't know if it's where it came from but Jesus spits in this dirt makes some mud rubs it on this guy's eyes and then he very plain and simply he says go wash in the pool 
You go wash in the pool, and this guy does it. And when he opens his eyes for the very first time, he saw colors, church. Never saw them before. He saw shapes. He saw trees. He saw people. Man, he saw the blue sky and the clouds. This guy was all lit up. I mean, he was pumped. And what he did is he ran around saying, he healed me. He healed me. He healed me. And this guy, man, it was amazing. He was doing this. And then the Pharisees, you know, the nasty dudes in the Bible. We've talked about them quite a few times. The Pharisees started to debate his healing. These dudes were insensitive. They started debating this guy's healing and saying, that's not really real. That, that's, that's not true. You know what? That guy, Jesus, he's a false prophet, they told him. And you, this guy, Jesus, he's a sinner. He couldn't do that. And they harassed him and pushed this guy. And so they tried to coerce him into making the statement that, you know what? Jesus is a sinner. and He's a false prophet. And this dude, man, check out what he says in John chapter 9. <clears throat> I'm sorry. John chapter 9, verse 25, he says this. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He didn't know all the background. He didn't know all the story. He just says, I can't answer any of that for you, but this dude touched me and I can see now. I can see everything. The blind guy is here saying, this is my story. He did it. I can see. That's the way it is. He simply told his story. You two can tell your story. You seriously, you can tell your story. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of the Bible. You don't have to have the whole book of Acts memorized. You don't have to have all that done. You can say, I don't understand all of it, but here's who I was and here's who I am today. Some of you say, but my testimony's boring. You know, I, I talked to an elderly gentleman this week. We we're talking on the phone and, 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 and he and I had a lot in common because we kind of, I call it cradle Christian. You know what I'm talking about? You, you always went to church as far back as you can remember. You believed in Jesus Christ, and, and that's just the way it was, right? My mom had me, and I was in church the next week, and I've been here ever since. You might think your thing is born. You might say, you know, I don't have that road to Damascus kind of thing in my life. It's exciting, you know, and you hear the crazy stories like, you know what, I was, I was storing 10 kilos of cocaine a day. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> and you hear all these crazy stories. I, I was into this and I was into this and then and Jesus reached out to me and he saved me and all this crazy stuff happening. And I'm like, yeah, I've gone to church my whole life. <laughs> it doesn't have to be something wild like that, church. It can be just maybe yours is just as simple. I was searching my whole life. I felt so empty. I never felt satisfied. But you know what? Jesus came to my heart and he brought me a deep satisfaction in my life. Maybe it is you have addictions, church. You had addictions and then boom. I mean, just like that, he set you free. No withdrawals, no cravings for it, that you've just been set free from that. Maybe it's your marriage. You and your husband had a horrible marriage. I'm talking about it was in big trouble. Christ came into both of your lives. And now it's awesome. Church, every story is special. Every single story can minister to somebody. And we all have a story to tell. You tell why God has blessed your whole family. See, I, I love to tell that story. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. You know, when you're obedient, God, God will bless you. He, he will bless you when you're obedient. 
And, and I tell people, you know, my family is blessed because of what God is doing in it. You know, tell him, tell people why your business is blessed. Tell them, church, why, why you are living the way that you're living. Tell them what God is doing. You can tell it at a Bible study. Church, you can tell it a Bible study. You can tell it at work. You can put it on Facebook. Most of you guys, you're writing what you have for dinner on Facebook. I don't care what your toasted cheese looks like. I really don't. You know the impact you can have if you're telling your story on Facebook of what God is doing in your life? The third unlikely evangelist was Dorcas. Anybody named Dorcas is unlikely. She taught us that you can share Christ by giving your life away. That you can share Christ by giving your life away. In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says in Joppa, there was a a disciple named Tabitha, and the Greek, her name was Dorcas, and she was always, the Bible said, always doing good and helping the poor. See, this lady, she had a burden for the people who were struggling. She was always helping the poor. She was always helping those who were in need. She had a burden to help others. And her burden was for the widows. If you don't know anything about the widows in, in biblical times, if a woman was married to a dude and they had money, whatever, and they never had a son, when that woman passed away, that money went to another man, and she could be just left high and dry because she didn't have a son. And so she maybe had nothing. She could have been destitute, homeless, hungry. And Dorcas had this, this, this heart for the, the widows. She wanted to help them. So the Bible says that she made clothes for them. And her ministry, if you know this whole story, her ministry was so important that, that when she, she died one day and God raised her back from the dead to continue doing her ministry. Yesterday, I was so blessed. I was asked to, to go out. We did a, there's an organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Fantastic. I'm so excited about this. And they asked us, they, they were coming to Wells, and what they do is they make bunk beds for children that don't have a bed. I had no idea how many children don't have beds. And so we, we got to work with these people, and they literally rolled into town. These bunk beds were, like, made, but they needed to be assembled. And we would go to houses yesterday, and, and we would go in the house, and, and we would assemble this bunk bed in there. I mean, they brought the bunk bed. They brought the mattresses, the pillows, the bedding, every single thing. And, and the first house I went into, I went upstairs. They already had the work done because I was busy talking outside. But I went upstairs, and, and these little kids, they, they were all excited. You could hear them in another room, and all of a sudden, they let them come in. And these kids were jumping up up and down on their beds. They were excited. They were thrilled. It was wild to see. And you know what? It was just about wanting to bless someone with your time. We gave like five hours yesterday to this cause, man, and it blessed me, I believe, way more than it blessed them kids. I'll bet you a month from now I'm still going to be thinking about it, and those kids are going to be like, yeah, this is my bed, and they won't think about it anymore. But you know what, church, it's about giving your life away in the name of Christ. I'm talking about you can do that same thing. You can give your life away in Christ. And there's so many people, there's so many people, they just want to do drive-by witnessing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, beep, beep, Jesus loved you. They just keep going. That's that witnessing that, that a lot of people like to do. They're like, I did my witnessing today. At least I wasn't doing the other things out the window beeping at people, Right? But you know what? That doesn't work well. 
Really, church, it doesn't work well. People want to know, do you really care? Do you really mean it? Do you, do you really mean what, what, what you're saying? I had a young man just ask me about a month ago, trying to help him out and, and just talking to him and, and pouring into him. And, and he looked at me and he said, why are you doing this? I said, what do you mean? He said, what are you getting out of this? Like, what's, what's the catch? And I said, there's no catch. I just want to pour into you a little bit. I just want to invest in you. I just want to help you. But see, the world thinks that there's a catch to everything, don't they? It's too good to be true. Why would somebody want to help me? Why would somebody want to do something kind for me? You know, several years back, the first um, Make a Difference Day that we ever did, I remember I was sitting at the stop sign. I was cleaning the streets. Some dude, it was a stop sign. No, it was red light, I mean. And he stops at the red light, and he rolls down the window and goes, Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning the street. He said it for me. He said, did you get a DUI or something? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> did not. I'm with the church. And he said, why are you guys doing that? I said, because it needs time. And church, you realize God has things that needs to be done. And so I ask you today, church, do you give your life away daily? Are you like Dorcas? Are you giving your life away daily? I'm talking about you're taking some time. You're doing something for someone. I'm talking about making a meal for somebody who's sick. I'm talking about being a mentor to somebody else's kids. I'm talking about men. You teach some young boys to be men. Ladies, you teach some girls to be women. We need to do this. We got to get involved in some people's lives. And all of a sudden... They're going to look at you once they begin to see there's no catch. And they're going to say, there's something different about you. You know, there is no strings attached. This person has the love of Christ in them. And, and sometimes, church, just check this out. Sometimes God calls you to serve, and you don't even understand why you're serving. He's calling you to do something. He wants you to serve. He wants you to give your life away. And then there's the unlikely evangelist of Peter. The unlikely evangelist of Peter. I like Peter. I do. See, sometimes you just have to confront lovingly in the name of Jesus. Church, did you hear what I said? Lovingly. Some of us rambunctious Christians, you know what we like to do? We like to get the largest, large print, leather-bound Bible. I'm talking 10-pounder that you carry around with you, and you want to beat everybody over the head with it. That's not lovingly. You would be way more effective if you approach them lovingly with it. And Peter, man, he, he was wild. <laughs> Peter was that shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy. You know what I'm talking about? You know, Jesus, you know the story. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to have to die for everybody. And Peter goes, no, you won't. He, he virtually rebuked Jesus, right? And then when Jesus was being arrested by the soldiers, Peter jumps up. He cuts that dude's ear off. Can you imagine what Jesus was thinking? Like, come on, Peter, I don't want to do this right now. He had to put the guy's ear back. I'm not saying he said that. Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter, church, he was confrontational, and God chose to use him. He chose to use him. He refined him, even though Peter messed up a lot. God decided to use him. He chose him to be the guest speaker at Pentecost, right? What did he preach? 
He didn't preach some feel-good message. No, he didn't. He wasn't tickling nobody's ears at all. In Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. For the forgiveness of your sins. And I love what it says in verse 40. It says, with many other words, he warned them. I'd love to know what the many other words were because I'm nosy. It says, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. He said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. He's telling them, listen, it's bad out there. You need to be saved. Church, we are called to have spiritual conversations out of love. There is way too much hate in this world. There really is. There's so much hate in this world, and and we do not want to be part of that. We want to be having these conversations in love to make a difference, to to pour into people. Past week and a half, I went to Caden Davis's funeral. I'm sitting there. It was in the Potterfield house, East Liverpool High School. I was sitting there, and I I was listening to the preacher give the message. And, and I started crying. I wasn't sobbing, just, you know, that one long tear that rolled down the face. And I started thinking about it. I, I looked around, and, man, I saw all these teenagers there that loved that boy. And, and, and I wasn't necessarily sad for Caden because, man, he is, he is good. No more wheelchair. He's doing great. But my sadness came for all those other te- teenagers who were there. See, Caden knew Jesus. I know where he's at. All those other teenagers who were there, they were hurting, they were suffering, they were upset. And I wonder, like, how many of them have an idea? How many of them know what, what, if something would happen to them tonight, where they're going to go? And my heart broke for that. And I started thinking about myself. Like, how many times in my circle of influence, how many people do I personally know that doesn't know Jesus Christ at all? And I interact with them, and you know what? I'm not saying anything. My heart began to break even more because I sat there and said, Well, Mark, you say you're a Christian. And you know that there's people who are around you that are not saved, but yet you're not saying anything because maybe, you know, it's your day off. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's because, you know, I just ain't feeling it right now. Or maybe that kid's weird. I don't want to talk to him. And my heart began to break. Church, you know what? We say we are Christians. We say that we are Christians, but what kind of fruit are you bearing? We know an apple tree is an apple tree because it's got apples. We know an orange tree is an orange tree because there's oranges on it. And I'm asking you today, are you bearing fruit? What is it that you are doing in your life? Because we must, church, we must have spiritual fruit in our lives. You have been called to a mission. You have been called to a purpose. You've been called to go out because you are blessed, church. Because you are blessed, you are also blessed to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And are you doing it? So as I get ready to wrap up this sermon today, and I call the praise team up here. You know, Thanksgiving, we 
We always think in Thanksgiving time how blessed we are, and we're thankful for, for God. And, you know, you'll go home on Thanksgiving, have your family over, maybe, whatever it might be. You might be sitting by yourself, and you're going to pray to God. And, and sometimes, you know what we're like? We're like that five-year-old that prays. I, I remember my boys, when you'd ask them to pray, and, and they would sit there, and they'd close their eyes, fold their hands, and they're peeking with one eye. And they're looking around the room, God, thank you for our stove. Father, thank you for the fridge, for my mom and dad. And sometimes, church, we are only looking around at what God has given us, that we are thankful for our material things. But I ask you this morning, are you thankful for what he did in your life? I'm a firm believer that if you appreciate something, you say thanks for it. And too many times we only thank God for the material. We are, are we honestly thankful that he sent his son Jesus to save us? Church, this morning, are you thankful that you know if you lay down tonight and you pass where you're going to go? Are you thankful for the fact that you know these things? And church, you are blessed. We as be believers are blessed. And so what has he done for you this morning? What is it that he has done for you this morning? If you feel blessed for the fact that you've got Jesus Christ and you know what, you got to share it with others. Maybe this morning you're sitting here like, preacher, I hear you, but I'm not sure I understand. Maybe you've never met Christ before. I'm talking about you've never given your heart to him. You've never sacrificed yourself unto him. You've never been baptized. You know what, church, this one, I want to take a play right out of Peter's playbook. I want to plead with you just like Peter did. I want to encourage you heavily to save yourself from this corrupt generation. I'm talking about God has something better for you. I'm talking about repenting of your sins. I'm talking about you call on him. You follow him. You pursue him. You give your life for him. Church, there are no second chances here in this life. We are raising up a whole generation of video game kids that they believe life is just like a video game. You play the video game, you get killed, and then one second later, you are back to life, and you can go and do it again. That is not what this world is really about. There's one chance in the day that you take your last breath. That's it. When your life is done, it is done. And we all have got to know Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're sitting here, I'm talking about God is stirring your soul because I'm feeling a stirring in the church. This past month, I really am. I'm feeling the church getting stirred up. Maybe you're sitting here and there's a stirring in your heart this morning. You know you know you don't know what happens next. I want to tell you, if God is calling you out, I want to encourage you come down this aisle this morning. There's going to be people up here, they'll pray with you. You don't even have to have someone pray with you. You maybe just want to kneel down and say, God, I want to give you my life. I don't need anybody else. It's between me and you, God. I want to encourage you to do that today. And for those of you who are believers this morning, I'm talking about you already know him. Are you sharing it? I'm talking about is God stirring you up where you're sharing it, that you're speaking about it. You're saying, man, you got to come check this out. There's something exciting. Let me tell you what God did in my life. 
I was once blind, but now I see. I know what it is he's doing. And so church, if that is you, if you are a believer and you're just lax, I mean, you ain't even coming close to doing what you are called to do. I want to encourage you, let today be the day where you say, God, all right, I'm jumping back in the saddle. I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to listen to your son's last words on this earth before he ascended into heaven. I'm going to go out. I'm going to be purposeful. And when you do, church, when you know him, when you recognize him, how blessed are you? Are you blessed enough to be sharing it? I want to encourage you to stand this morning, but I want to encourage you to respond more than anything.